This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. We've got a little bit of another year-end wrap-up, basically, but rather than what we think at the end of the year, we're going to be covering what we think at the beginning of the year as your good post-holiday rebound targets that might not have necessarily recovered from the lull or might still be a little bit depressed due to upcoming tax season or BNR announcements, uh, like naming Urza four times when you ban two cards and not one of the cards not being Urza. I don't know, Monastery Mentor called and said, what are you doing? Get your head out of your ass. Anyways, uh, yeah, just what we think is going to recover. Products, yep. singles, formats, whatever. Okay. So I'll let you start, Okay. since I don't know what you're picking, and you don't know what I'm picking. Nope. Uh, but we both decided on formats first, which I, I think was pretty neat. Uh, so I think we're, this is where we see Pioneer rebound. I don't think we've seen it depress entirely but i think coming into the magic Fe the upcoming magic fest season this is where we're going to see cards like urborg tomb of yogmoth that have just been kind of sawtoothing for a little bit between 13 dollars and fifth and 16 on the CKA buy list will finally take off and we're kind of seeing it on stocks right now i'll bring that up yeah uh, it's on a slow been on a very very slow up uh, uptick where i think and I've said it for a while, eventually it's going to happen, dig through time's going to go once yeah. we figure this out. And we're going to see Pioneer just run away. It's not going to become ridiculously overpriced, but we're just going to see a lot of these cards that have been stagnant for a while finally take off once Start. there's buy-in. Yeah. yeah. We're coming up, and uh, I want to bring up the CFB event site. I should have left it up. Um, where yeah, we're we've going got... To Jan 30th, Pioneer. 31st, Pioneer. Feb 6th, Pioneer. Yep. Reno is Return to Theros Limited, and then we have two Theros back-to-back -back on March 16th and 13th. Yep. And then it's Pioneer. Yep. Uh, Pioneer PTQs every day at all these events as well. So yeah. if it's not a Pioneer main or, this, or Reno, then it looks like there's Pioneer at every event coming up. And yep. because of this, we're finally moving into the end of the 2019 extended season. Uh, not the format, just an awkwardly long season, which is made of yeah. six quarters instead of four, I believe. Uh, this is going to be a point in time where they push modern. I think they're going to push modern down a little more coming out of this extended season, pump Pioneer up. But because we have so many Pioneer events, this is truly where the format takes off in terms of price and hopefully popularity as well. Do I want it to overtake Modern as a player? No. As a financier, I think it's fine. Both of these formats are infinitely reprintable, and as long as people are playing this game, it's better for everybody. I don't yeah. care. Like, I, I can finally pull apart my Affinity deck from 2003. You know? Mox Opal DM is... DM us on Twitter, paying $25 for all mobiles. Yeah, right. Mo me. Mox Opal is the Mishra's workshop of Modern. Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that tweet was correct. Yeah. I, you yeah. think about it a little bit, and that's exactly what it became. And so you, you just cut, you just cut it loose. Uh, it's just laziness uh, in the delay. But that, that has nothing to do with Pioneer. Uh, yeah. That is the first thing that I think uh, takes off this year. I think it's just a format that runs. Because it's been t it's taken so long yeah. to go. People like this format. They're enjoying it. It's not really solved yet, quote-unquote. And I think that has more to do with the fact that there's no one 
or two control archetypes yet. I think once those lock in, that's when the format will be a little more quote unquote solved because then aggro's got to evolve and you have this kind of um, up you the know, triangle again. Yeah. You know, aggro's been evolving this entire time and control has yet to catch up really to any of those builds. It got there a little bit and then Chunky Red just kind of blew it all away. Took over everything, yeah. 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 Uh, so that's where I think we're going to go first and foremost. First and foremost. So I uh, am going to my baby, Legacy. So okay. Legacy's not dead. The oh, sky no. is still falling somewhere. Uh, competitive Legacy still exists. It is one of the most dedicated communities of like player base wise, and they're going to keep it afloat. Yes. Uh, Jeremy has a 20k coming up. I'm running some 5ks. NRG is starting to break out into the larger portion of the Midwest. And they want to do Legacy. They've said Legacy, Modern Pioneer. NRG is Nerd Rage Games, right? Yeah. The, the team that used uh, to sponsor Joe Lossett, or the companies, like those guys, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, he does commentary for them now, because it turns out, you know, when Top's gone, he can't win. That's uh, fair. So... <laughs> So they're running their trials all over the Midwest, kind of like a smaller star city circuit. Okay. And they're starting to take their invitationals and their 5Ks and their 10Ks outside of Illinois. So they're doing events in, in Indiana. They're doing some events in, like, Michigan. Uh -huh. They're starting to expand that out. So you're starting to see this, like, community movement take off. And I think that within the next six to eight months, you'll start to see these regional TOs, maybe not pastimes, obviously, or legion. Yeah. But, like... A nerd rage or a pink bunny or a mana drain someone like that try to pick up the slack in an individual area and just start bumping legacy up okay. and the more that happens the more that those events exist the more that people will try to get into the format because the nice thing about this is or get back in or start playing again when you have a place like nerd rage that does this trial uh you can play in the store you can win a trial to get on there, or you can just have store credit that you get from running events to participate in their legacy events. Okay. It's not like a star city where you have to buy a list to get in there. You can literally just turn weeklies into dual lands at NRG and yep. end up with your legacy deck. And I think that that's kind of where the format's going is more of the grassroots, the community, the alpha LGS type of deal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. It sounds uh, a lot like the way Star City kind of got into Legacy in the first place. For anybody that used to follow them in the early 2000s, they started with the vintage 10Ks or 50Ks, whatever it was. They hadn't yep. even begun to touch Legacy yet. They no. were playing vintage. Yeah. And then moved and, into Legacy, and then that became the Open series. Yeah, and, and when Legacy was dead before, Star City came in and saved it. Mm -hmm. They said, Wizards isn't going to support it. We've got you guys. Yep. Uh, and then they're like, oh, they're not supporting it. Neither are we. But our buy list numbers went up on a bunch of this stuff. There's nothing going on here. This is just to meet EDH demand. I love you, Ben, but I'm skeptical. And I think that as the year evolves, you will start to see that prices start to recover on that. Obviously, duels still have EDH demand. They're not going to go anywhere. But like Force of Wills right now, I... Numbers are dirt. I, we paid $50, $60 a weekend at the SCG because they're so illiquid. Because yep. EDH players only want one. It's the type of card that most casual EDH players, it's at like the top of what they're willing to spend. And they'll just swap it from deck to deck to deck 
to deck to deck. They yeah. don't want multiple copies. Yep. So it's just not as liquid as it was. So the price is starting to deflate, at least on GP floors. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll start to see that those start get scooped up, prices start to recover, and then the format takes off again. Uh, no, I, I think you're right. It's just a matter of time. There's always been a dedicated uh, legacy following somewhere. When I was uh, just getting into legacy, when I went to college, I was following... Uh, TMD, the Monodrain, yeah. uh, their opens. Uh, yeah. NYSE was still mainly vintage, and there was some stuff going on in Northern California, but I forgot where it was. And eventually, it all kind of fell away as far as Legacy was concerned and just kind of turned into, I think it was in Ohio. Uh, the Monodrain opens stayed in Ohio, but they mainly stayed Legacy. So, like, yeah. 10 years later, when I was looking to play Legacy, I was on when I was living in Kentucky working patrol, like, there if they didn't end the series kind of abruptly, I was going to start driving like four yeah. hours to play Legacy. And that's that's the thing is that Leg Legacy players, if it's for a day tournament, they'll get up at six in the morning, drive the four hours, get there at ten when Reg starts, mm -hmm. just to play their format. And you don't have to do a whole lot for it. I mean, people do it for one and two Ks. Yeah. Just to play. Yeah, because you don't get the opportunity to play against a lot of other players, you know, in uh, in a face-to-face -face fashion. And yeah, it's kind of not. I don't want to say embarrassing for the game, but this is a format people like, and so cutting the legs out from underneath it at a a large level is fine. If Watsi doesn't want to support it at Magic Fest, because I get that it's exclusionary, and I get you can't put up the same numbers that you would hope to with a modern or standard Magic Fest. Like I get but that. You had a 2,000-person Legacy GP in Europe after you announced you were canceling it when the states didn't break 1,000 most of the year. Yeah, but that's because <laughs> they're not running it the same in the U.S. as they are in Europe. It's just hands down. I know. Like, that is also very true. We haven't had a Magic Fest, a Legacy Magic Fest in years in a location that was worth a damn within the U.S. And we've talked yeah. about this before. If you want, you cut back on Vegas and you make a... Uh, it, it could be you know, semi-annual on the coast, east and west. You put one out in Seattle or somewhere uh, easily accessible in California, and you put the other one in uh, Boston or outside New York City or outside DC. or DC. somewhere, yeah. anywhere. Anywhere where it's easy to fly internationally into those locations, and then you have uh, Pan-Atlantic and Pan-Pacific competition come into the coast because it's easier to get there than for those people to come in and then hop again to Yeah, wherever to they're going. Yeah. And Vegas isn't necessarily a vacation destination for a lot of people either. It... And it's the the event, I and I've discussed this with some other vendors as well, we feel like the event started to lose some of its luster. Yeah. Like, most of us just go there, and we don't even do anything magic-related. Like, there's a large number of vendors that literally go there and just go to the casinos all weekend. Oh, yeah. They hardly touch the hall at all. Yeah. Or they set up knowing they're not really going to be doing a whole lot of business and it's just all written off as an expense. They're there. They have yeah. a booth. They're, if somebody buys or sells, awesome, but you're there for the weekend kind of thing. Like, it happens. The first Miami yeah. was like that. There were no, Because I was after the first Vegas, a number of people just got the booth to get the booth. If it worked, awesome. If it didn't, we don't come in Saturday or Sunday. We just hang out on the beach. Yeah, it doesn't matter to us. What do we care? Yeah, because that's a vacation destination. Like, in the first Vegas, was the second one, too, was just a bunch of hoopla for the, the master sets and then the four-day... Uh, awesomeness yeah. you know that was great the there's a lot of things they can do to to improve 
the legacy experience of a, a Magic Fest. I will say that if they put a Magic Fest in SeaTac and actually rolled out like old Watsy physical marketing product into that place, I would, and I knew that ahead of time, I would be there hands down to, yeah, to see absolutely. like the 93, the 96, like physical marketing materials and shit like that. Uh, play the event or not, I don't care, man. That's just like a, that is a celebration of the game. Here's a legacy yeah. Magic Fest and all this awesome like arcana from the game. Great stuff that like you grew up with yeah. if you're old enough, or if you're just finding it now. Look at the history. This yeah, is, art displays you know, and shit like that. That's how you guess, make. Guess what? Seventh edition. Sarah Angel's back and she's legal. Who thought? Yeah, like mind-boggling at rare. Like, what are you doing? Shiv and Dragon in the same set. Holy crap! Uh, saying your vampire yeah. comes out. What is it? The next fall in Torment. Yeah. Was it was it was good? And then so, yeah, that's, yeah. that's that's where I think it is. Might be different, but who knows? No, no, I, I think it's it's a good way to look at things. I think vintage is kind of gone, aside from the independent scenes and anybody who wants to keep it alive and you know float that. Yeah. Goat. But legacy, it didn't need time off. It just needed the dedic. It just needed somebody to want to dedicate to it and dedicate it to dedicate to it correctly. And yeah, for I, sure. I think that's that's what we're seeing. Uh, and, and it's nice to see that we, we kind of picked a new format and an old format to yeah. to, to talk about. Um, there was a little bit of uh, product I was going to talk about quickly, and it, it kind of falls into singles as well with the Mythic Editions. Or not Mythic Editions, I'm sorry. Um, collector's Editions? What the shit are these things? The one that came out with Eldraine. Collectors? Uh, Secret? Yeah. Whatever. Whatever these dumbass sets are. The one for Eldrain has finally fallen back to market to uh, initial asking price on the open market on TCG Player. That was kind of yeah. a, uh, we hit the low water mark, so to speak. And I think this product is it's going to cool, especially now that Oko has basically been erased from the game, save for Legacy and Vintage. Yeah. And once that that heats off, and a lot of the singles kind of restabilize we're going to see that product kick off and i think this cycle is something we're going to be able to follow yeah i and i think especially after today you got one thing right hallelujah uh i think we may see a little bit of a dip because the chase card was oko and that's you know if if you want to go by chase which you never should uh, there was a little bit of a driver there, and I think that now is like a good time because, like you said, we're back to like low water level. It's not gonna get any lower than this. Nope. Even like distro, distros are finally out. By the way, uh, just like three weeks ago, distros sold out of collector boosters. Yeah, I'm gonna finally bring this up right now. The lowest one on TCG is four twenty with twenty dollars shipping. Blaze after, it. yeah. After that, it's uh, five seventy-five with basically six hundred dollars, and then up to eight hundred dollars. Yeah. Like, so you can see that people have been buying up these yeah. these editions because the price just jumps so radically, and there are only six left. So mm -hmm. I think this this is this might be the cyclical motion we're going to see for these at least this year's sets because we all know they're juiced. Yeah, like, and and especially because now we know or sorry, uh, return to Theros. Theros of Eldraine, as the cases say. Uh, it, this also has a collector set that we're going to see. And I think that that'll have... You know, it's similar to when... What set came after Horizons? After Modern Horizons? Uh, yeah. yeah, Core 20. 
Yeah, so Core 20 hit, and all of a sudden, Modern Horizons fell off the face of the earth. Nobody cared anymore. Prices tanked. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the meme where the guy's, you know, holding the hand and looking behind him, M20's back here and Horizons is here. Well, yeah. We got this thing with these cards that need to be restricted in vintage over here, so we're going to buy this. Yep. This has, like, ten over here that need it, but whatever. Well, yeah. And, Neither here nor there. And I think that we may see it with Throne now that we're at pre-release weekend, where all of a sudden... There's a little bit of a lack of liquidity, and the cycle starts. Yep. So. And, and that's something I've been thinking of since I saw uh, since I saw that tweet. It, somebody mentioned it, and it was just kind of struck a chord because of all the fanfare that was around this. And now we're figuring out what editions of what cards we need to buy move for moving forward with all the this borderless and promo pack stuff. That yeah. everything's kind of fallen into place. The numbers on it were true for a fairly uh, long time uh, at a high water mark, and now the bottom has effectively f- it didn't truly fall out. So effectively is the wrong word there. Temporarily yeah. fell out, and yeah. we're going to see this spin back up. And I think we're going to see the same thing happen for the rest of these. So this product, while it might have been a little dicey to start out with, I think we're going to see more people kind of push for this product, and it's going to become more popular because now they know that. Even in the worst of times, when you have to ban everything out of this set that's playable, it's still going to be worth like 1.5x retail. Yeah. So. Well, it'll still be fine for sure. Um, my my choice for product is actually, incidentally, the front half of that meme, Modern Horizons. Okay. So, looking at prices over the last little while, obviously, you know. Ren got banned. Uh, Urza's going to get banned one day. Uh, there's plenty of cards in there that are going to get banned, but you're starting to see the rares, which had bottomed out, recover pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. It was just a couple weeks ago that Force of Negations were down to like $20 on GP floors, and you're starting to see them with $22 buy lists now on GP floors. So when that starts happening at the large-scale vendors, of course, it's going to trickle down, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you're finding vendors that are paying $3 on Force of Vigor right now, which is TCG low. And I generally like to think that vendors are a little bit ahead of the game in that regard. Yep. Because eventually, people like me and some others, we hoover up all the ones we can and dump them to GP buy list for a profit. When that happens, it floats the value of the set when the money is tied into the rares and the uncommons. Like Ice Fang Coatl, for example, is suddenly a five six dollar card. That's the one when that most... actually uh, I've thought about the most. Uh, yeah. Even over the last few weeks, this card is too good to not be played with or without Oko in this format. Yeah, I, the card is very very good, and I mean, you look at the trajectory that it's had, and it seems like, well, this is obviously starting to rebound here. We should probably, you know, look at this. Yeah. But boxes are still around one hundred and eighty dollars. They're still at, I think it's 184 when I checked just a second ago on TCG. So that was the price after it came out. And if you look at even some of the mythics, more fun in December hit all-time low at about a market of 415. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. It was just super-duper cheap. It's doubled since then. So you're starting to see these singles, and for whatever reason, the sealed price is lagging behind. So if you have it, that's something I would start looking at because they also did move for a while. 
So now we've got a booster case for 1100 boxes for 184.93 with shipping included. And it's not a small number. It's like everyone yeah. has them for that. There's 7, 1, 6, uh, 2, and then there's 70 at 189.99 before Damn. it hits 190. Seems seems good. Yeah, uh, and you're so you're just looking at the, the product sealed as a whole, right? Just sit on it. Yeah, just right. just the product sealed uh, as a whole, rather than like a particular card or anything. But that's I think that's good, especially now. Honestly, Yogmoth combo is probably the play in modern. Yep. So Yogmoth is going to move up a little bit more. Not that that's going to move the needle on sealed product, but that gives you an extra hit. So. Yeah. No, I, I I like that. It, it, this isn't a product I think about a lot in regards to sealed. I think about it in terms of singles because they something's always coming up in conversation, either because it's in a deck list we're talking about, or because it did nothing like Morphon and then doubled almost overnight. It took. I brought the, yeah. the graph up. December twenty sixth was its initial recovery, and then five days later, it basically doubled. Yeah, I same with first loader. First I, loader was down to like three dollars. Yeah. Uh, and now it's at like eight with shipping. Sure. Yeah. No. Yeah, we're we're finally seeing that kind of come in, I, and I don't know if a lot of that has to do with the fact that people finally realize we're not getting another run of this. What's out is out. So they're not printing more. Yeah. Exactly. So. No. Uh, that, that's a that's definitely something good for people who want to sit on it sealed. What do you think the timeline would be though? Ah. So here's here's the thing. I want to say that the timeline is realistically six to eight months before but you sell out, or before before you before you can like sell out for probably you know a fifty dollar profit if that's what you want to go for. Okay. Uh, the thing is, Wizards may just decide to I don't know emergency ban twenty nineteen. We should be so lucky, uh, and if that happens, and they're like, ah, see you later, bye. Okay, I guess it's worthless all of a sudden. Yeah. I guess Autumn Veil is banned in, or Veil of Summer is banned in every single format ever. I'm not bitter. And Never not. Yeah, clearly not. Uh, I just, Wizards could dumpster it, but that's always the risk you take. Yes. But I would say about, you know, six to eight months probably. Okay. That's not yeah. bad. Um, just get one last little thing, because it's a pain in the ass to find since it uses the name of a piece of power. Hmm. But it is in reference to what I was going to bring up next. So the last the last point I want to bring up, and I don't mind continuing to discuss if you have more, uh, is actually power and historic cards. And when I say historic, I mean original, pe original art associated with the game. Yeah, so, that's, so like Sarah Angel, of course. Jazam, stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right, and because a lot of that stagnated, and people want to point to the, the Bitcoin market's uh, stagnation, where there was, you know, that market has been fluctuating super aggressively, and yeah. not a lot of people have sold out to buy in. That was the initial spike years ago. Blah blah blah. A lot of that I don't. Aside from the fact that the, the crypto market is volatile, I don't buy into a lot of that cruft. Yeah. But what I think we are going to see this year is uh, all of these. Uh, not not old school playable cards, but a lot of these historic cards rebound. They'll they'll rubber yeah. band back. Um, uh, a bad example, but good at the same time is actually going to be Library of Alexandria. Yeah. And 
you look at it and from about September to, let's say, that's, yeah, September 2018 to August 2019, it's basically flat at about $1,500. It spikes and then it tanks. Now, this is a card that kept its value because it's playable and vintage, but it's also historic to the game. The reason it tanks is because it's really no longer played vintage, and we have that big hoopla surrounding Eternal Weekend. The dip starts around October 16th, which was two weeks before Eternal Weekend. Yep. Right? So we see that, and this is the card that people are finally realizing is not as good as they think it was in vintage, so it loses that. But at the same time, it also comes back up and settles above it, its floor. It's still trending at about 1300 It's it's down. Market. Market, yeah. yeah. But I believe it's, this, is that, this is that kind of card. It's not a piece of power. It's historic. Yeah. Jazam. Same thing. This card has been flat effectively since July of 2018 at a little over 2K. It, it seems like a ton. It, compared to what it used to be, it's already grown a lot. I don't know how much more room there is to grow on Jazam, but it's an iconic piece of art. Yeah. It's, it's going to go. Um, an easy piece of power to look at sapphire flat i mean uh, you look at the uh, i hate stocks for this kind of graph but you look at it compared to the tcp yeah. market and it's up and down and up and down but essentially it hovers around 2700 on average it dips yeah. and now we're finally settled at about 3k this is a card that i think is going to rebound probably to 32 35 by end of year and this, this last card that I, I was looking up, this is an old school playable. It is EDH playable. And this kind of represents uh, a better idea of what's been happening with old school cards that are playable, not in vintage, but mainly in old school and EDH. Recall from Legends. Yep. It's reprinted in sixth. Yep. And this is why it's a pain for me to find because of Ancestral, right? But this thing starts tanking October 26th. It hits $88 on July 11th, 2019. But after that, the market has actually floated higher than the average the entire time. Yep. Up until basically this winter. This is a card that has been trending down over time with the rest of old school and, the re and power, etc. And you can see it very clearly in that graph because this isn't a piece of power that is easily affected by TCG players' stock. There are generally recalls in stock and they dance around. So it's an easy graph yeah. to follow. So I think we're going to see uh, power and, historic, and historic cars buoyed. Uh, dual lands kind of double dip on their like quad dip yeah. in reality um, between, uh, between formats. But <clears throat> these non-legacy playable cards are what we're going to see rise. And I don't think it's going to be that small that by end of year, it's like meaning under 10%. I think we're going to see an over 10% bump on a lot of these cards. And it will... Mm. It is not going to be attributed to uh, crypto. It's just going to be just natural attribution on this stuff. You know, not not the sky is falling. Let me get my nostalgia in. There right now is a glut of this stuff floating around from the vintage sellout, and when they go, these prices go. Yeah, uh, I also you know along that same vein, uh, damping field was one of my picks for a while. So stuff like that, I think on the lower end, like recall. Uh, or Kismet, like stuff that's, like you said, it's old school and EDH playable. It's not, you're not going to see a ton of it in Vintage. Yeah, it's but, not yeah, It's I, not like Winds of Change and Underworld Dream that are specific to old school yeah. kind of thing. 
you know, re Recall, like I said, I brought up because it has application elsewhere. I've played this card in EDH before in Control. Like, Yeah. Um, for singles, for me, it's going to be Fetchlands. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, going along with Legacy, and if Wizards ever gets their head out of their ass and learns to stop cannibalizing uh, both of their own programs for online play, their two most popular formats, uh, their player bases, uh, yeah, no hope. Anyways, if that ever happens... Fetches are going to recover. Plus, yep. EDH exists, and everyone wants fetches for EDH. Uh, so, I, you know, my my pick for the recovery would obviously be the cons fetches, because yeah. the Zendikar fetches we run the risk of seeing it return to return to Zendikar. So yeah, and then a, does, a quick ban into Pioneer, so all ten are banned. Yeah. Whatever, guys. You, you do you, Watsy. I I give up. No, I. I it's not a bad call because it's, that is the groundwork for the format. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're already seeing the shocks recover from their third printing. You know, unless yeah. they keep printing them into core sets or into standard, you know, they'll they'll take off again. Yeah, they will. But the fetches have been were here and then they were gone, so yep. it makes sense. And we don't know, as I talked about with Pioneer, what really happens after the end of this extended season from 2018 finishes up yeah. we don't know if it's going to be more pioneer or more modern and the assumption is that it's going to be based on uh, attendance at physical events the player satisfaction levels playing the formats yeah. and paper and then i assumed i would assume some kind of moto data mixed in uh, any number Maybe. of variables they won't use yeah or forget so i i we had, we had a conversation about Modern uh, in, in the Discord today, and somebody was talking about whether or not they wanted to off or should offload their extra shocks, and it comes down to exactly that. If you need the cash now, you know, one... Do it. Yeah. But if not, I don't think there's any reason to while they're deflated. They're going to recover. Yeah. Uh, it happened the last time they were reprinted. It happened with Fetchlands when they were reprinted. Like staples like that, that are multi-format staples, will always recover. Yep. And once these tournament series fill in, and we know what's coming up for the rest of the year, at RE fetches, you're going to know whether or not you're going to win out, or if they're just going to stagnate and you can get out. But we don't know when that's going to happen. I think the, the yeah. clock kind of runs out for everybody in May-ish. For what they what they have set up, Star City and Watsi have their dates, but all their formats are TBA. So yeah, from there on out. No, I I do like that. Anything else yeah. for? Uh... No, I, those are the main things I'm targeting for the recovery. Really, okay. there's not much else. No, I, I think everything's pretty solid. Otherwise, it, it's I don't want to say it's obvious. You know, all the master sets are from their course. There's really not not a lot going on. Battle Bond is yeah. Took a little bit of a hit with the lattice ban, but that's not really going to affect the price overall because of those silly lands. It's a mythic, yeah, and yeah. the lands. Yeah, lattice is still an EDH card, which is really what powers yeah. that set. You know, so I, I think all we have to look forward to in this coming year is two EDH sets, technically a third miniature one that is like eight cards of mono green or something like that. And commander decks with every set release, fucking kill me. Yes. Infinite and whoa, there's a draft product too, right? There's a commander draft product. It's like all legends all yeah. the time. Yeah, something like some commander draft. Like yeah, everything's a legend. What? Oh God, I'm gonna have an aneurysm. I I, I still want to know what this unproduct is. 
it, it's uh, like ten new cards and then a bunch of fucking reprints. <laughs> Thrilling. Great. Right. Before you have your aneurysm, your pick for the week. Yeah. Yes, my pick for the week is a spicy meatball, if I do say so myself. Uh, Sacred Guide. You're probably thinking, what is that card and what does it do? Thirsty, please tell me, and I will. So for one white mana, it is a 1-1 that reads one white, sack it, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a white card, put that card into your hand and exile all the other cards exiled this way. The reason that card is great is because it helps shore up Flash Hulk lines. Uh, which sounds that card's banned. Of course it is, but you know what it is legal in? C E D H. And purely anecdotal here, but also there's financial data to back it up. C E D H has started exploding over the last six to seven months. Uh, courtesy actually I hate saying this. Courtesy of Sheldon. Uh, his Mattery. banning of Paradox Engine made competitive EDH explode onto the market because all of a sudden you couldn't ignore it. There was such an uproar. All this stuff happened that now you have a competitive area set up at command zones, at command fests, and it used to be one person, a GP or SCG, would come by looking for CEDH staples. Now it's about four or five a day at every GP. And you've got people that are starting to really get actively into this high-tier competitive casual format according to Sheldon. And I think that that's going to be another market that's there to be exploited now, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I think that Sacred Guide is good because it's a rare that it's not technically reserved list, but an effect like this is basically soft reserve list, similar to something like Static Orb or Winter Orb, you know. It's not something they're going to jump to the top of the list of reprinting. Yeah. And it shores up one of the most powerful strategies in the format. And right now, it's less than a dollar. Yeah, it's a, a odd effects like this uh, with Sacred Guide and... What did I just buy the shit out of? Uh, Paradigm Shift, where you're just able to exile your library in one shot. Uh, spoils yeah. and Vault goes on that list. They don't make that often. No. And you might look at Sacred Guide and say, yeah, but you just hit another, hit another white card. Well, if your deck, sure, is three to four colors, but this is the only white card that you're able to two to four, and then you flip your library, you can win in any number of fashions. Yeah. So uh, It's just, it helps your lab man lines. There's just a lot of things that it does that are really good. And yeah. I think it, you know, sub a dollar. Like, why not? Why not, right? You, you can I see mean, the jump in the card, too. Uh in the middle of January, I brought up the graph, but as a reminder, on January 9th, it basically starts to take an uptick from the 24 cents it was yeah. to 40 cents. Is there a buy list on this thing? I don't know. Uh, and I think that Thassa's Oracle and Sayana, Captain of Py- uh, Pleus, whatever, also yeah. help push this card up in power level. Wait, hold on. What was that second one? Thassa's Oracle, everybody should know. It's the double blue 1-3 from Theros that is the better lab man. Yeah. Uh, Siona, Captain of the Pileus. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You reveal an aura card from them, put it into your hand, rest on the bottom in any order. Whenever an aura you control becomes attached to a creature you control, create a 1-1 white human soldier token. Oh, uh, basically, you know, you win via Thassa's Oracle or lab man, and you win like a turn and a half sooner because you get... You know, with Siona as a general, you get a mono green ah, creature deck with Sacred is. Guide 
enlightened tutor, idyllic tutor, and shielded by faith. Yeah. Sacred guides a creature. He's very easy to find. Quickly becomes shielded by faith to go infinite with Siona. So it adds another one. Yeah. No, that's not bad. And the card's being bought right now by CK for 19 cents USD, 25 credit, which was the price a little over a week ago. So you could have immediately gotten out. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. No, I like it. I don't really dabble in the world of, of CEDH. I've still been paying attention to Oathbreaker, though. Granted, I have not been reading up a lot on that, so that's my fault. Paradigm Shift form. and Four Mana Jace. Gas. Yes. No, uh... Paradigm Shift went by real quick when Thassa's Oracle was uh, spoiled. There are a lot of people who are just like, you can do this or this or this or this, here's 18 cards. And then Ben Blywis just came through and said, Island, Black Lotus, Reality Shift, Thassa's Oracle, here you go, guys. Yep. And that's that. And Reality Shift is a reserveless card from Weatherlight, so that card went from nothing to everything. Almost. Yeah. Like, Immediately. Yeah. You're hard-pressed to find this card now for... I would, not Reality Shift. I'm so sorry. Paradigm Shift. Reality Shift. Yeah, Paradigm Shift, yeah. Favorite Forged. I'll bring this up so you can see the graph on it. We can all laugh at... Wow, this thing actually spiked to over 5. And yeah. For M19. Mm-hmm. Come on. That was uh, around the time we started hitting it, actually. Yes, that's right. You guys won after that. I did not. Yeah. I was like, this is silly. I've tried winning with Lab Man. It doesn't work. And here we go. It's over $3. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't have to work. Someone just has to think it does. Well, I mean, it, in EDH, it just kind of goes in the same thing. I was joking with a friend of mine a while ago. Uh, not a while ago, like two weeks ago. I was like, Leveler is a win con, dude. You should come back and play the game. And he's like, wow, the guy I work with has been telling me about magic has been telling me about the wrong cards. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> Clearly. Labman, Jace, Thassa's Oracle, Levlar, yeah. Lake, Paradigm Shift, you can just... Who wants to have a library? Get it gone. Yeah. Uh, my pick for this week uh, is a card that will be in Standard upon uh, release of Theros Beyond Death. And yeah. this is a card that you had to react very fast on to get on at what effectively I thought is the bottom floor until the mobs hit. And it is uh, Nightmare Shepherd. So this is a card that you look at it, and you're like, okay, this does a number of things. It fills the spot in Mono Black Devotion where Desecration Demon was as the flyer for four. And yep. it is also the Whip of Erebos slot as well. Now, yep. Desecration Demon finished games because it got big quick. Uh, if you don't know what that, that card did, it basically... It was a 6-6 for 4 flyer, but the drawback on this was kind of interesting. You basically fogged yourself Yeah. Uh, with just this demon. I'll bring... Uh, nope. Yep, no, no, sorry, one. Uh, so, at, at the beginning of each combat, any opponent could sack a creature to tap it, but it would get bigger. So, yeah. it would close out a game in one shot eventually by... You know, killing your opponent's board slowly over time. Meanwhile, you're taking over with pack, ra pack rats and Grey Merchant of Asphodel, which was reprinted. So, yeah. what does this card do? Well, Nightmare Shepherd actually works very favorably with Grey Merchant of Asphodel. It comes in, it dies, it comes back again with Nightmare Shepherd. Okay, so how do you get that to work? Well, we already have cats and ovens. We do. So, you can just sack Gary to the oven, and there you go. You also have the Jund... 
uh, legend from Brawl that I can never remember the name of that asks you to sack as well. Uh... Yeah, right? This is where I am right now trying to remember the name of this card. It's not Kethis. No. I'll see if I can bring this up while I'm talking. But that is also in the same in uh, another version of the deck. Uh, Piotr Golgowski played it at um, the Mythic Championship. Yeah. And that is also another sacrifice outlet in a very grindy deck. So this goes you know, straight in there. Now the interesting spot is that I'm, and I'm looking for this brawl card to see if I can find it because it's uh, Korvald. There he is. Yeah, Korvald, the one that non-foil buy-list for 12 and the foil buy-list for, like, 7. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Korvald. Uh, when he enters the battlefield, or attack, sacrifice another permanent. When you sack a permanent, he gets... Uh, Korvald gets a counter, right? Works yeah. well Works well with Gary, works well with Shepard. It just allows him to rebuy your valley creatures. Yeah. Shepard also works with your commander. And this is something that passed by on Twitter as soon as this card was spoiled because people just broke down mentally... And then it floated through uh, Judge Discords a couple days later. Korvald yeah. asks that when your when your creature is sent to the graveyard, that you after it hits the graveyard, you exile it. All you have to do is attempt the exile. Your commander says if your if this creature would shift zones, you may replace that effect by putting it back in the command zone. So you let your commander die. This trigger goes on the stack. You exile. You attempt to exile it with Shepard, but instead you replace it to the command zone, and now you get a copy of your commander via the Shepard. So right now this is a card that has, I want to say, immediate standard implications because it slots into technically one deck, but two versions. So it yeah. has a home in standard, and it has a home in EDH. In mono black value or just random black value decks, is just a good card. So why did I say you have to move fast on this? Because Card Kingdom sold them for $0.99, cents last week I bought them out I think they reloaded again at 99 cents and then after that they went to $1.50 Card Kingdom was under TCG until yep. uh, I think today Card Kingdom is now selling this card for uh, $3 TCG player is now selling this card for $1.80 so there was up until about today a time where you could buy this card for less from Card Kingdom than a TCG player was selling it. There was also an opportunity on eBay, I believe. Yeah. Now, the danger of doing this is uh, the same as uh, moving in on anywhere, starting with Core 20, and that's the promo pack. We're also going to get now, because of the way the do sets, uh, full art and foils. At the 99 cents I spent on this, I don't feel like that's a bad opportunity. Yeah, exactly, right? I don't think it's a bad opportunity. Anything under $2, I think was fine. If you got in at $1.50 to $1.80, I think that's fine because you're going to be able to trade this card if and when it pops somewhere. It's going to last. Yeah. Bialists are going to take forever to recover on this card. This card is an immediate yes. out from player to player interaction, and then you just, if you're looking for cash, then you bialist whatever you pick up for. I don't think this is a bialist yeah. card in the short term. And just based on the, the my tracking of a number of cards that have been in promo packs during this year, it's not going to be buyless within a year, unless this deck just pops off and this becomes like a five to eight dollar regular rare. I mean, which probably won't happen. 
I agreed. Uh, I, yeah, I, like it, it's not it's not gilded goose, and that's the problem. Yeah, and a gilded goose goes all the way down to legacy. I don't think it's in vintage. It wasn't in the oath list, was it? No, I don't think no. so. Yeah, so I, I don't think that's going to happen. So this is a card that I think is very specifically a player to player card, and I think this is a card that if you got in early on, you can get out now because you know you can see yep. TCG players still floating over two dollars. If you give it a couple of weeks, once standard takes off, I'm pretty sure we're going to see this deck again, and Shepherd should be in that deck. If not, there might be a mono black devotion deck you can play, and then it should just kind of equalize out to about a three dollar card fairly easily. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there's still some sites out there, like maybe Cool Stuff or something, that still have some number at less than a dollar fifty too. So you know, yeah. do some homework. Yeah, you uh, can get there. A lot of times during pre-release, uh, Harari is a good place to look, but I don't. They had not stocked Theros Beyond Death. I think they. It's either because there was officially no English translation of the card yet when I was buying them. Yeah. Look, uh, when, when the card was spoiled and I found it, I believe there was a foreign language and an English. Uh, attempt at a translation. Eventually, the image came later, but uh, yeah. Harari used 13 hours ahead, so they would not have the time to add it to the site. Uh, but they're, you know, out of region, so that's a good place to look. Yeah. So, yeah. that's what I'm on right now. Uh, I also picked up some other odds and ends, but I don't think they're uh, pick worthy for. I think that's a really solid one, honestly. I, I just went through the set and I picked some some of the best cards that I thought. I think the only one that it follows a similar pattern and maybe this is just a decent you know by the way, is yeah. um, the is it rare? Oh yeah, uh, that thing was literally bulk. I bought this card for ooh, not ten cents, but might as well have been yeah like under thirty or so. Um, Dacos Crafter of Wonders one is it two four. Add two color. Let's spend this mana to only cast artifact spells or activate artifact. I mean, Mishra's Workshop is a very powerful card. Yeah. And then equip creatures you control have flying and haste. The danger is that there are only so many Just Guy commanders that work with the equipment theme. Usually it's Boros. It's never is it. Yeah. So you have to expand your range in EDH. And this is a card that's definitely going to get depressed forever by the full art and the promo pack. Unless those cards just are ridiculously expensive, then this is going to oh, be yeah. a go-to. But yeah. This was a bulk pickup that I thought was perfectly serviceable because, again, you can just trade it out. Yeah, like that's good. I'm a fan. Well, my wife made fun of me. I was buying, I was buying bulk. She's like, you should really <laughs> consult me about these purchases. I was like, oh, baby, five dollars. I mean, I'm sitting on like 400 Sarkins on the ceiling and just picked up a bunch more this weekend. So we all make poor choices sometimes. I've only played that card like two or three times in EDH. And it has been a charm. It has won every game I played. The card is insane. I, it's a red enchantment with too much text. That's all I need to know. Yeah. That's... <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, if, if you don't believe us that that card is good, like Sunbird's Invocation, play it. Yeah. Then come back and, and just, let us know. Yeah, please. I haven't played it. It's just a red enchantment with too much text. So like Sunbird, yeah. Yeah, like Sunbird's Invocation. Too much tasks. But look at that card. It's a thing. Yeah. It gives everything... What is that mechanic? Uh, the Bloodbraid mechanic? Cascade. Cascade. Yeah. yeah. It's like better Cascade. Yes. It's so good. It's so good. But I think it's going to be it for us this week, guys. Uh, yep. We are at MTG Cabalcast 
on Twitter. We've been uh, feisty for the last few days. It's been uh, all those chicken tendies. Yeah. <laughs> Money yeah. well spent. Yeah. Uh, also on uh, Patreon, and we dabble on Facebook here and there. Yeah. I am at Halt, I am Reptar. You are... At Thirsty Sizzler. And you can find us wherever you can download a podcast. And uh, we really enjoyed looking through all the comments we got last week. So please keep them coming. Yeah, seriously, guys. I cannot stress enough. Uh, please give us feedback. We love it. We want to make the cast better for you. Uh, and to, I can't remember the username that said the thing that separates us is giving the vendor perspective, which a lot of people don't. You're a rock star. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you next week. Yep. See you.